Joy is for you. Welcome to the Joybringer podcast. The world is full of uncertainties, difficulty, and pain. It needs joy, and you and I can bring it, but we can't bring what we don't have. I'm so glad you've joined me today. Let's grab hold of joy and bring it everywhere we go. Is from, uh, by the way, just so you know, I guess we did write letters. That is from your grandmother. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That'll give you a timeline, too, because she talks yeah. about moving to the mobile place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. Okay. Okay. Hey, I'm Season. This is the Joybringer podcast, and this is a wild moment for me. Like sitting here with you. Me, too. Yeah. So this is my Aunt Debbie. She's not my aunt. She's my mom's best friend. You met when? 1963, I think. Wow. Yeah. And then really the last time we saw each other was when my mom passed away in 2004. Right. So it's been like 20 years. Yes. 20 years this year. And now I'm sitting in your house. I know. That's I know. so wild. I know. Yeah. And the thing that I wanted to talk to you about today was, is that you have left an incredible legacy of letter writing between you and my mom and, and my grandma and your grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited because I have some of these letters and you've given me some and cards and, you know, I always knew that she was so good. My mom was so good at writing letters and birthday cards. Cause there was always like birthday cards in this you know, card holder thing in our kitchen. And she was constantly sending handwritten thank you notes and cards and birthdays. And, and, um, I've told the story on here before that, um, I wanted to, I've always wanted to be like her in that way, but I think I'm just so sad. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so scatterbrained that I, I think I shared like when I was first married to my first husband, I was so excited to do, um, Christmas cards and I addressed them and I stamped them and I sealed them and I signed the whole thing. And then I found them the next year in our Christmas <laughs> decorations because I never mailed them. <laughs> I have bought many cards in my life. Do you do them now? No, I haven't done it yet. So I, I, this month, January, which we're coming to the end of, uh, is the 12 month Joybringer challenge is to send a note of encouragement or thank you note to someone. Um, and it's, it's, I've done it. I've, I've successfully done it already this month. I'm going to continue to do it because I bought myself one of those monthly planners and it's full of cards and I'm going to keep collecting them. But this is a special moment. I wanted you to join me today because I want to talk more about this and how important it is because, you know, this card right here is a, a handwritten, uh, first of all, to see my mom's handwriting yes. is so beautiful. Yes. Oh, this is when her grandfather was passing and you because you lived on the other side of the country so we're currently in maryland but right. we were living in california and now i live in tennessee but right you were able to go take care of him because your grandmother um was battling cancer really when during this time mm -hmm. yeah she had breast cancer grammy yeah wow Mm -hmm. And she wasn't able to come and see him. And your mom, of course, was taking care of her mother and you and your dad. And she 
Yeah. So she said, you know, it's, it's in one of the letters. She says, um, you know, my grandfather really doesn't even remember us anymore. And that's not a reason to not see him. We really can't get there. And we want to, um, you know, but we want to know that it's a really nice place that he's mm. moved into because he had dementia. Mm. He didn't remember who I was. Sure. Yeah. So that's why they didn't come. Cause, wow. Cause your, um, your, your grandmother also had, um, reoccurring bouts of pancreatitis. Right. Which is eventually turned into pancreatic cancer and that's what she died from. Yes. So this is so wild because these memories, I didn't even remember that. I, very vaguely, I remembered that my grandma had breast cancer at some point, mm -hmm. but that's that time frame. Mm -hmm. I and this card just showed that to me. That's wild. This one I, was so precious. It was so precious to read in the hotel room the other night. It was from um, twelve eleven eighty two, so December eleventh, nineteen eighty two. I was four, and one of the sweet, sweet things. It says, season is more and more fun each year. As she gets older, we enjoy the Santa routine even more. The fantasy of it all is thrilling, even to all the big folks. Oh my gosh, it says, Christmas, I think that's what Christmas makes Christmas so very special, the children. Season has a starring role in her school's Christmas pageant. She sang on a microphone and looked so adorable that I could hardly stand it. Tears were flowing. I'm a sentimental mom. Oh, she is. <laughs> she is. Well, I was four. Yeah. And I mean, I have no access to this information anymore. And I don't, you know, nobody, the memory keepers, you know, they say like your sisters or brothers, your family are your memory keepers. Right. And I don't have any of that. And so now that everybody's gone, to have you is so special to me. Aww. And then, but then compounded with that, like you're able to say, oh, that's so-and-so. I'm like, I have no idea who that picture is, right? That's right. That's your great grandma on your dad, on your mom's side. Like, oh, I didn't know. Right. Um, and, but these, these incredible letters. So they started, tell me, you, you, you briefly mentioned this the other day of when the letter writing started. Um, Tell oh, me that story. Oh, about where your mom went? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So your mom, when she was a teenager, decided that she had had enough of her parents, but most specifically her mother, telling her what to do. So she decided to quit school, <laughs> go to Florida. From Maryland. From Maryland. None of, we still don't know how she got there. And probably in 1969. Mm. Set, set yeah. She was born in 55. So she, she. Maybe earlier than that. No, she was born. Yeah, she was born in 55. She was probably, I want to say she was 16 or 17 when she did that. Oh. And. Um, well, here, oh, wait, we can back up. She had to be at least 17 because she got married when she was 16 to a person I had never even heard of until a few years ago. I didn't even know my mom was married before. My mom met my dad when she was 18, but I didn't even know. And so just being here, I just saw pictures of my mom's first wedding when she was 16 years old. Like right. what? <laughs> right. So after that quick marriage was done, she ran away to Florida. Actually, if I'm... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, she ran away before that. And then 
your grandfather figured out where Carol figured out where she would be. And he went and got her and brought her back. And then she, I guess, resumed her romance with Wayne Uh and they got married. She was always looking for a way to be independent. Wow. But before she was capable of really doing that. Right. So like, you know, we still don't know that first time. Did she have money saved? Right. How'd she she get there? Yeah, right. Right. We said yesterday, maybe she hitchhiked. Right. We don't know. So, uh, so he figured, we thought it was also a cry for attention, probably. Sure. Um, and even though I was only a year older than her, I could see that that's probably what she was doing. Yeah. I was just, you know, teenager myself. And, uh, so yeah. So the next thing I know, she and Wayne, Who'd I, I'd only met once before For real? she married him, but they went to high school together. But you guys went to separate high schools. And we went to different high schools because yeah. by that time her parents had moved to a different neighborhood than where I met her when we were in third and fourth grade. Right. And so she married Wayne, uh, that cute, petite little girl in the picture uh-huh. whose name I said I can't remember. Yeah. She was a friend of theirs. He oh, okay. would know oh, okay. who she was. She must've been a high school friend, but. You know, yeah. I think they're the same school. Then, uh, yeah, so I couldn't even tell you how long that lasted, but it was not long. No, no. I think my dad, because before my dad died, I was able to ask him about this, and he thought maybe they were married like a year. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking. And so then after that. So then after that, she had a little apartment of her own um, on Harford Road. In Florida? In, in Baltimore. Oh, in Baltimore. And the next thing we know, uh, Tony calls me, her grandmother calls, or her mother calls me and says, we can't find Debbie anywhere. She's not, she's left her apartment. What? Yeah. She's, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And she goes to Florida and she didn't tell me. Your, your, your grandmother was always calling me, where is Debbie, when she would do these things. Just if she went out with friends sometimes, she would say, do you know where she is? <laughs> oh, Did, my gosh. She, I know she's out riding around in a car with kids from school or whatever. And no, I didn't always know what she was doing, even though we were best friends. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so then she go when she goes to Florida the second time, of course, her parents were really upset. Yeah that she would not stay settled here after the thing with Dwayne. I mean, Wayne. (laughs) And, uh, and I have some letters from then. No. Yeah, I do. I, I have, I have some letters from then. I have to find them. And that was where she met your dad. Yeah. And I and they were in the same apartment complex. And one of the first letters that she wrote me was, you will never believe it, but I am, um, I think she might have been like living with a group of people. I don't think he was one of them. But she no, because he, he lived like in, a, in the same apartment complex. Yeah, she was living with some people and she, uh, I could tell that she liked this guy. And, you know, she was so funny and her letters could be funny. And, um, I remember her saying, so I guess we can all 
by then she had like contacted her parents and yeah. let them know she was okay. They weren't happy about it, but they knew that she was safe. And um, she said, uh, so now you can all say, I, you know, ran away to the circus because <gasps> this, I met this guy named Jerry Marshall and he is in the circus. <laughs> he is in the circus here in Florida. My, so my dad was a, in the Ringling Brothers in Barnum and Bailey Circus, and he yeah. used to push around lions and tigers. Yes. He was one of their characters. Yeah. Oh, yep. my gosh. Mm -hmm. So it's so funny because my mom, they they get, you know, they were together in a couple years, and then they drove across the country, and they moved to San Diego, and then they finally got married and then had me in 1978. Well, one of these letters that I have that you gave me, is on San Diego Zoo's stationery. Yes. This is, for, it says inter office and it says, I'm at work today and there's a lull. So I'm occupying some time dropping you a line. So it's on this stationery. It's from February 10th, 1984. And she tells you all about how she loves her new job. And she is a, uh, like a temp, like an administrative yes. temp. And she was going around to different areas. Now this is a one, two, three, four, five, a six page handwritten letter. At work. At work. But here's my favorite. Oh my gosh! It says there's 1,600 employees at the zoo and the and the wild animal park. About 450 are clerical related. It says I the pay is excellent. I make 7.57 an hour. That's a lot in 1984 because I am pretty yeah. convinced that the minimum wage is under four dollars. Yeah. And so she's making a lot. And then she says, um, but once I go part time permanent, I'll get an eight. I'll get eight dollars an hour. And I think that's how she met Rolf. Yes, it is. Yeah. So then yeah. my mom worked there for a few years, and then she met Rolf Bernerska, who wound up being her boss and her partner for eighteen years. Right. She said um, she was looking for it because she works from nine to one daily, and that way I'll be able to drive season to kindergarten and pick her up each day. Ugh. And one of the letters that I. I'm giving you today that you haven't read yet Yeah, is when she decided to quit work, even though they really couldn't afford it. That's right. when they lived on Guava Avenue. Yeah. yeah. And, um, go to work for Rolf. No, oh. no, there was a lull in there because she wanted to be a full-time mom. And mm. that is what she did. And yeah. she loved it. So yeah, I still have to find those. I have boxes. You, that box in there. That's just one of them. Wow. I have boxes of letters. You know, it's funny. I just don't have that. I don't have those memories, Deb. So this is so special because I would never know that. I can't believe she didn't talk about those things, though. I mean. Well, here's the thing. And, and you listening, I, this is really important. And I've said this so many times personally and when I speak sometimes. But I, I'll, I just have to say it here, like. What the things that we've been talking about over the last few days are really like deeply impactful to my soul and to my life. And because what I'm finding out about is these secrets. Yes. And mm -hmm. you, you can share this too about what they told you. My, what my mom and my grandma made you swear. Well, because because your grandmother was sort of like um, a mom to me. Yeah. She really was. Yeah. Um, and I have letters and cards from her too, where she says, you know, mom, Tony. Yeah. Um, is, well, Debbie, uh, I'm just going to say, 
This is what I always say. She was a handful. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah. I didn't know. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 people, you know, mostly mothers and daughters say things like, um, uh, "Oh yeah, this is a mother daughter thing." You know, yeah. she's going through something. Yeah. But she just, I think it was just her. My feeling is that it was just her spirit. She just always wanted to be really independent. It's you want to do that, but you can't. Yeah. Your grandmother saw it as rebellion. Mm. And so they didn't like the idea that she ran away more than once. They weren't happy that she wanted to marry Wayne so young. They knew she was just trying to get out and be on her own. But so they started, uh, and, and your mom had had a traumatic, a very traumatic experience as a little girl. And your grandmother felt comfortable talking to me about these things but no one else was allowed to know. Mm. Um, you know, I don't like, I don't even know if Netsy knew these things. Mm. Her sister, my, my mom's aunt, my grandmother's sister. Yeah. And yeah. so they swore you to secrecy. Yeah. Yes. I mean, right down to, I probably never would have given you those wedding pictures from your mom's first wedding. Yeah. A wedding I was in, of course. Of course you were. Uh, <laughs> no brag, just fact. Um, <laughs> That, uh, so the last time I saw your grandmother, um, right before she, she died, was really sick and yeah. your mom was really sick. They were both had cancer at the same time. I still can't believe that. And one of the things that she gave me was the biggest of those pictures, yeah. of those photographs. And she said, now I'm giving this to you because you know about this, but season is never to know about this. And I knew by that time, you know, a lifetime of of friendship and 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 having her as my other, you know, or as a mother. Well, here's the thing: she had to give you that picture because I would have found it. Exactly. I, I going through yeah. my grandmother's stuff because my grandmother died, and a month later, my mom died. But I went through my grandma's stuff. And I, I would have found it. My mom had no. My mom had no um, proof of any of that. Th that didn't life didn't exist. Right. She probably well, yeah. She probably, although she liked to save letters. Yeah, but none of that. that. Nothing yeah. that would. Yeah. And I don't know why she thought. Yeah. That, that, you know, lots of kids run away and get married. My, right. My parents eloped. Um, yeah. and, but they actually had a wedding. Yeah. You know, your grandparents. Yeah. I don't understand why that would have been so secretive. So I so don't know. You told me because I pretty much came to you and said, Hey, I know about these things. My dad. So right when I met my husband, Chris, um, I just was desperate. I was 33. My mom had been dead since I was 26 and my grandma too. And all, actually all of my, pretty much all of my blood relatives had are, are gone. And um, at the time, my dad was still alive and I was going to be a wife and a mom because I, when I married Chris, he had three daughters and, and I just started aching for more information. And so I was driving down the road with my father in the car and I said to him, hey, dad, if there's any information that you have about mom, about me, about me as a child, about her as a young mom, a wife, I would just love to know because I feel this like deep longing and like sadness that I just, there's, my dad was not a communicator and my, everybody was dead. And like, I just couldn't 
know anything. There was no access to it. Right. And you and I weren't really in contact. And so I just didn't know. And I said, if there's anything that you could tell me, um, that would be really great. And in one breath, without missing a beat, he goes, well, you know, she was married before, right? <laughs> and Aunt Deb, I swear, I was like instant panic attack. And I was like, yeah. wait, what? And I started crying and he goes, well, yeah, season, you know, I don't know. It was just real short. I don't know why it was, just, you know, he, my dad sort of said, I don't know. I think maybe it was abusive. You seem to think that it wasn't. I, I don't, I don't know. I have no reason to think right, that, that it, it was. was. But no. the, the craziest part about that is that my first husband um, and I, within one month of our marriage, he was unfaithful. And my mom had said to me, we can have this annulled tomorrow. And I said, on no planet, because I didn't want to bring what I thought was the shame of divorce into my family because my parents had been married 28 years. My grandparents had married, married 56 years. My aunt and uncle had been married. You know, they're still married. Like I didn't know that that would be an option. I regret that so deeply that yes. I didn't say, okay, but had I known my mom had been through something like that before, for whatever reason, it didn't end well. Right. Had I known that I wouldn't, that she would have understood. Right. But that's why she understood. She said, we can have this annulled tomorrow. I, I didn't know the depth of, of what that would have meant. I know. And if Tony or Carol were still here, her dad, they could tell us, oh, we why? did the same yeah. thing. Yeah. You guys, you wanted to get married. So we had this wedding for you, but we can annul this. Yeah. I, you know, obviously that never happened. And I don't know. I don't know. Was it a divorce? Was it an, I can't, I don't know. We don't know. I don't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I'm freaking out crying. What? And my dad goes, well, yeah. And you know about the two abortions, right? <sighs> and, and Deb, I swear to you, I almost jumped out the window on the freeway. I'll never forget where I was when he said this. And I was like, Oh, I don't if, know what if you hadn't told me these things yeah. recently. We probably, I probably never would have. Now, did you not know about giving you those pictures? No, I did. You did. Yeah. So you did. Yeah. So I, and, and again, I almost lost my mind because I had had an abortion secret, never told my mother because I thought for sure she was so staunchly pro-life and just, I just thought for sure she would disown me. Cause that also was just this whole weird secretive disowning thing in my family. And what the day she died, I was so free. I, I, I was like, well, she knows now. And I share this whole story about it in my book, but, but the, the secrets and the freedom that could have come had these not been secrets. I know. And what has never made any sense to anyone that knew her and loved her yeah. was why she because she was such a woman of faith. Yeah, yeah. Truly, truly. Yeah, loved the Lord. Was why she felt this deep shame yeah. over things that happen to people all the time. Yeah. So I've never understood it, but I can say this. My family was like that. There were secrets kept in our family, and I do think it had a lot to do I'm not using it as, as an excuse. Sure. I think it was something that happened at that in those days. Yes. You didn't talk about those things. Yeah. We had suicides in our family. Three of them. Jeez. But you don't talk about them. Yeah. Well, you don't talk about them. But the thing is, is, you know, scripture says like, turn on the lights, 
right? It's darkness where those things fester. And when we shine the light of love and goodness and mercy and grace, when we shine the light of God's goodness into the dark spaces, it's not darkness's fault that it's dark. Dark is only dark because it's absent of light. And so when we keep things shrouded in secrets, it festers, it grows things that aren't good. And that produces things that, you know, secret don't stay that way. There's no such thing as secret sin. There's no such thing as, as good secrets because it causes other things in our life and that affects other people around us. Right. So they're like, well, what does it matter if it's just the secret I take to my grave? Well, I guarantee you it affected people around you. Yes. Because you don't trust them or you have anger or you there's bitterness or or whatever. You remain isolated. It, it absolutely has great effect. And, and I think that when we keep the secrets, it just allows shame to grow. And, and for me, I, I just, I, I'll never forget that day in the car with my dad. And I don't, I'm, I'm so, you were shocked at how bold I am about talking about these things. I was. Yeah. yeah because, because I won't, well, I won't live in shame. You broke the chain. Yeah. That's I how, will. That's how I feel. Yes. Because as you know, I think I can say this here. You can edit it if you want. Grandma Tony Elizabeth was illegitimate. Did you know that? Well, I yes, that yes. was the first big secret I learned of. Really? Oh yeah. And then you weren't allowed to talk about that. Well, I only knew because the story was that my grandmother. Well, first of all, she looked nothing like her, the man who raised her. Well, he, she knew that was her stepdad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so he she was, knew that he was Jeanette's dad. Yes, but he also he was the only dad. But I, the story that I had heard was when my grandmother walked into the barber shop in Greek Town, Greek Town in Baltimore, Baltimore Maryland, and yep. she said something to him like, "He said, who are you?'" And she said, "I'm your daughter." She was a little girl, I think. Yes, from the story. Yes, and he said, "I don't have a daughter. Get out of here." That's what right. that's what had been retold to that me. That would have been in like the nineteen. 19- 30-ish. Wow. 35. Wow. 40. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know that story. So that wasn't a secret. And see, your mom and dad and my dad were friends because, you know, yeah. we, we lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And so your mom would talk about that, you know, not at length, but she was not ashamed but i think her mother was ashamed maybe I'm i don't know that that grandma rose mm. mama rose yeah that she was ashamed mm. of that mm. i don't know but she loved george her yeah. stepfather yeah he, he was her dad he adored her yeah then then obviously they had netsy yeah and uh but i think you know it started that way so tony your grandma, Tony, lots of secrets. Yeah. Let's not, we're not going to talk about what's going on with me and Carol. We're not going to talk about things Carol's probably doing. Well, we find out later when my mom was in her mid forties that her dad had fathered another child that was almost exactly her age. Exactly. Like, oh, what? But my dad knew these things, so they could talk about them. Wow. But never to you. No. When, when you came along, they just wanted everything you know, your mom was finally really happy when she met your dad. Yeah. And she really, you know, she was, she was still really young. 
Yeah, she was 20. But. Well, she was 18 when she met him. She was 20 when they got married and 23 when they had me. Right. But there's a big difference between when you're 14, 15, 16. Yeah. And acting out. Yeah. And wanting to have boyfriends. Yeah. And wanting to go out and ride around in cars, which <laughs> I did too. Yeah. Um, and then when she was 20 and when she met your dad, she, to me, in my, this is just how I feel about that. She was no longer feeling like she had to run away from anything right. to be herself. She met mm -hmm. your father. Um, yeah. They, you know, they lived in New Mexico for a while. Yeah. Where so, was born. so they were in Florida. Then they decided, I guess one of the abortions happened in Florida. And then they decided to drive across the country and they stopped in New Mexico. And I don't know. No, I have a vague memory. And I think that they lived on an Indian reservation. I don't know about or around that, one, but they, but they did, they lived, I know at one time on a plantation where they were the caretakers. Did you know that? Oh gosh, that triggers a memory. Yeah. Yes. My mom took care of the kids and my dad was the driver. Yes. And if you see the, she was like a nanny. Like yes. Nanny called on them that the picture where you see the two of them together and they're yes. that was taken there. Oh, that was taken there. Wow. But she was so happy. Yeah, they loved that family. Yes. Yeah, and my dad was like the chauffeur. They loved their life. Wow. And one of the letters, I hope I, it's one that I gave you. If not, I'll make sure you get it, is where your, uh, your mother says how Hank and Betty. My dad's parents. Became her parents. Wow. She was like, I finally now feel like I'm in a fully formed family. Mm. I have, yeah. Yep. That's so beautiful. I know. I know she adored them. So that was in, um, but they lived in California. So my parents were in New Mexico for a minute. And then from what I understand, I think the second pregnancy was either there or I, I think it was there. And then they moved to, so they had an abortion there and then they moved to, I could be wrong cause it might be in California. Then they moved to San Diego. Yes. And they got married in San Diego in nine. They met in 19. So in, in when she was 20. But season, I want to say this. It's again, it's uh, not an excuse. I'm not, and I'm not saying that I don't want to get into the whole pro. No, no, thing. not at all. At that time. Cause I'm now 70. Your mom would be 70 later this year or no, no, next, next year. year yeah. Next she's year. Yeah. Okay. A lot of young women did that. Sure. You, you didn't, you didn't really dive into yeah. how awful it was probably going to affect you. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no judgment. I, I, yeah. There's no so, judgment in that. Yeah. And she didn't tell me until after. Sure. I don't even remember when after. Sure. Um, and my dad said that that her parents, I know for a fact he said her parents paid for the first one. Oh, I see. And I, didn't I think know that. and I think okay. I'm not sure, but my dad's parents might have paid for the second one. I don't know. But he he said, "Yeah, this is what happened." And it was it is what it is, right? right. It is what it is. It, it, they were trying to yeah. they were trying to figure out where they were going to go, right. where they were going to start their life. Right. And it, I, I guess that they were like, oh no, this can't happen right now. Right now. Right. And this is why when my dad told me about this, everything made sense. 
that my mom had deep anguish, deep depression, deep pain surrounding this thing, which every time she talked to me about, you know, how, how the sanctity of life and, and the importance of waiting till you were married to have, you know, anything, sex or anything like there, that's why. But I never had a, any kind of understanding of where this came from, right? It was just, don't do it. It's bad. And, right. and you know, and, and there was such like staunchness around it. And, and yet she would cry a lot and she was so passionate. Um, and it made sense. It just made so much more sense to me. And but she suffered greatly. Oh, she did. She suffered, suffered from from the pain. She did. And but I again didn't know that. So then finding out this information, everything just sort of came together. Well, and I think one of the the reasons that uh Betty was my my had, dad's mom, yeah, you know, yeah. They that they were so wonderful for her was because they probably didn't know a lot of this stuff. Your dad, mm. the childhood stuff yeah. that bothered your your um, mom. Yeah, my mom was, I, we we think, raped when she was probably five or six, I, I'm thinking. Wow. Really, well, she met you when she was, what, third grade? She was in third so grade. So she was like eight. So she probably, I think she was probably, yeah, six or seven. Molested or raped, but the story yeah. that I had heard was something, you know, horrible happened from a neighbor boy. And it made her, yeah. Feel, I mean, she said it to me. Yeah, it made her feel bad about herself. Sure, she, yeah, it, it, like it tainted. she had done something wrong. Exactly. Right. Right. And so she had that, and then, you know, then as they were moving around the country trying to figure out where they, because they came back to Maryland for a while too. My dad and mom. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's when married. That yeah, that's when the cousin stole the ring. Oh really? Yeah. Oh that, my gosh. Yeah. And so then um, they, yeah, so then they eventually went back out to San Diego. And when Betty got to know your mom really well, Betty said, okay, you know, we all have issues growing up and some of, of us have ones that are worse than others. But she sensed that this wasn't just things that had happened, tra traumatic things that happened mm -hmm. in your mom's life. She felt that Debbie was suffering from what we now call clinical depression. Mm. And she was. But we, you know, we didn't know a lot about that then. No. So she encouraged your mom to go to counseling. And she went to a psychiatrist versus a therapist. And they put her on medication that just helped her like so much. You can't imagine it. I had no idea. I know that. I know that now, but I, I, and I, there was no stigma to that at that point. I don't think maybe there was, I mean, with them, with them, sure, but not with Betty, not with, and Hank, not with your dad. Wow. And so, yeah. So it's all just so crazy and I'm so grateful for this and I can't wait to read more letters. And that's why, you know, to share our stories, to share our history helps for those beyond us to break the generational chains to say, because we then begin to pray over our children. When, when I met Chris is, is when we found out, when I found out about all of this. And then we begin to pray over our children because you could see the generational stuff on my husband's side too. Just like, oh my gosh, it, you know, every, there's just a lot of, of generational things 
And when you realize it, you can realize the authority that you have over it and you can start, you can be the change agent. You can change things. You can turn on the dang lights and, and make a decision to do it different. That's this, that's the thing that we never could figure out. It was, you know, she was an enigma really. Um, And that's not, some people think that's a bad thing. It's not Mm -mm. always a bad thing. No, there's a difference between privacy and secrecy. Yeah. People deserve their privacy. If she never wanted to tell anybody this, things you and I have talked about, I didn't think we would ever talk about because she didn't want me to. Right. And that may sound like I'm, I'm airing things, but I can guarantee you that as in my, if my mom was still alive, we would have gone through as I had gone through so much emotional healing and freedom and, and, and healing in my life. I know where we're at today, especially as a culture and a society, things are important to talk about. And I, I think that my mom would have had that journey as well. If she was here right now, and yeah. I know she's here. Sure. But if she was sitting here right now, think of all the answers that we could get. Yeah, it makes me mad. Yeah. I'm really me mad. Me too. Frustrated. And I don't think I'm airing dirty. I think I'm giving, I'm I'm doing what my job, I believe my job is, is to take something so special and so important and speak boldly about these things. Yeah, because, because you know what she could have done? One of the things she could have done was, uh, I told you when we were in Chicago, yeah. I could tell she was off her meds. Yeah. And she could help so many people right. by saying, hey, yeah. you just need to take something for your depression. But she would have. And that's what I know today. I'm not speaking out of turn because she would have done that. I know that we would have turned that corner. She used to say to me all the time, someday you'll ask me about my life. She used to say that all the time. Well, as a 13, 16, 18, 22. You don't care. Oh my gosh. Right. A self-absorbed, right? Like there's no way I would have been like, first of all, when do you sit down and say, tell me all your dirty laundry, mom? Like you don't, <laughs> right. right? Until you become a wife and a mom and you start having these, these thoughts that are beyond you, right? And you start thinking generationally and you want to know as a mom, what was your experience as a wife, right? Things shift as you get older. But in my early twenties, I didn't care, you know? Sure. And, and I didn't know. The other thing I used to say to her, mom, I don't know what questions to ask. How would I even, how would I be like, hey, lady, were you married before my dad when you met him at 18? What? (laughs) No. Right? Right? Right. So we think that, don't put the pressure on the child. Right. And and there's there's a question too, like how much do you share? Well, I think the important thing is just to say, I'm open. You know? Right. I'm open. I want you to know. Well, as much as she liked to have discussion like this, I'm... You know, I, I know that the last year or two, yeah. you know, cause she was telling me that she thought something was wrong. Yeah. Um, I'm, I am still 20 years later surprised that she didn't say, Hey, this might be a good time for me to tell you a few things. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yeah. I'm mad. Yeah. So that's why I'm bold about I saying this. And I get it. That's why this kind of stuff like the special connections that you guys had made, you started writing letters in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, and you have decades. Yeah, I have 60s, histories. 70s, 80s, 90s, up until early 2000s. Two, the early 2000s. You know what's funny, though, is the, is the um, evolution of these. Yes, that's why I wanted yeah. to have a little bit of everything, because we hand wrote a lot. Yeah. 
we, and, and the way that she wrote, she always wanted to be a writer. Oh yeah. Um, she wanted to write a screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. She started one. She did. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe even two. We'll find that out in the letters. But so, yeah. So we went from handwriting to typing. Oh yes. And you can tell that they're yeah. so cute. Like she had a job in an office, various offices. So did I, these typewriters. Then we graduated to computers and then it was even her idea. You'll see again. In I saw it. Letters, I saw it. She says, I'm going to answer. You yes, they're right here. Yep. In caps. In caps and in red. There's and then, red. And then she was mama. Yeah. She had mama Rose productions. Mama Rose then. productions. Yeah. And so she was the red and I was the blue. Yeah. Or vice yeah. Versa. yeah. I can't remember which. And so, yeah, these got very colorful. So we could save a lot of time because she would shoot hers off to me. I would answer the questions or comment where yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And we would go back and forth like that. So what I love is you also signed and addressed very funny. Yeah. So you, she called your book. Oh, well, fun. We didn't get to this in the beginning, which is silly, but both of your names are Debbie. Right. Deborah. Yeah. Now you spell it different. I'm D E B O R A H and she was D E B R A. Yeah. And her mom called us Deb and Debbie Doobie. Debbie Doobie. Yeah. Debbie yeah. Doobie. But, but why do you, we were Mertz and Deets. Why? Also. Where did that come from? Okay. Well, my last name, my maiden name is Dietrich. Yes. And so she would call me that even when we were teenage Dietrich? girls. She would go, instead of saying, hey, Dietrich, she would say, hey, Dietz. Oh, Dietz. She would call me Dietz. Yes. And then I started calling her Mertz. And I'm not sure. She wasn't sure either. You don't even know where that came from. But we think it came from Lucy. Yeah, and Ethel. And, and Ethel. Uh, Ethel Mertz. Oh, Mertz. Yeah, because like we just kind of picked up on that because she used to say all the time, one of the things that they said on, I love Lucy. Um, and now I'm going to not going to be able to think of what it was. I'll, I'll remember. So this particular multicolored email, uh, you sign it because you were going through a real hard time because, uh, Brett had just graduated high school. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you said, love distressed, distraught and depressed deets. <laughs> And she wrote in all caps, this too shall pass. And then she wrote, love you more, Mertz who hurts for you. Yeah. So uh, your so many of your letters are are signed. Oh, and then she also called me Skagillicuddy. Oh, Skag. Yeah. So you guys, Skag. yeah, you would always call each other Skag. So until a year ago, like I told you, we had, our, we had our kitchen updated behind our washer and dryer. Do you remember this? The time she picked me up at the airport with this big sign that she had to make and take together. <laughs> because she did it at home on a computer. She, you know how people go and uh, they'll wait for someone yeah, with at the a airport sign. holding a sign? Yeah. I come down um, one of the escalators and your mom is holding this big sign that says, hey, Skagillicuddy. <laughs> so I folded <laughs> oh, it up. And when we moved into this house, oh, I found it and I unfolded it and I taped it wow. behind our washer and dryer yeah. so that I would see that all the time. Yeah. And we only recently took it down. Where does Skag come from? I, I don't know. She always called me that. Oh, you skag. Yeah, I don't know what that and means. I, just, you know. It's kind of a new, like an old word for bitch. Yeah. Like yeah, in the fun yeah, way. Yeah, you skag. Yeah. Yeah, like now that people say biatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She'd be like, shut up, you skag. Skag, I know. And you guys would like yell it all the time. Oh, yeah, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. But skag. I like the way your mom said shut up. 
Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, these are a treasure to my heart. Oh, and they are. and I'm and it really is the thing that inspired this whole thing of being intentional to share and to write. I don't have it with me, but I um you know, there's so much uh to, when we write notes when we intentionally thank someone mm -hmm. for something that they've never been properly thanked for, mm -hmm. it actually, the person who does the thanking, it affects them, it affects them in a way, scientifically, there've been these studies that are done. Um, if I had my phone with me, I'd read it to you, but it, it, that the effects of properly thanking someone uh, has effects up to 30 days in your life. Yeah. Like wild. Like there, there is just what it does for you. What showing gratitude and appreciation is not just for the other person, right. but it has incredible effects on you and your health. And so, um, do you know, I have every thank you card anyone ever gave me anyone and anyone and everyone and, and my family and some of my friends think I am absolutely crazy. Wow. Like my daughter. I mean, a little. <laughs> she laughs because I save all these things. So I, I am ridiculously sentimental. Um, but think about it. I mean, I, I've been coming across all of this stuff. Yeah. I didn't even remember that I had those wedding pictures. Wow. So yeah, a thank you card, just a thank you card can mean so much. Yeah. I want to send a thank you card to the women I sat with. Oh, at the conference. Yeah. At the table. Yeah. They just, they were wonderful. They just w wanted to know all about you. How oh. did I know you? Yeah. Well, I'm out here because I spoke at uh, a conference uh, that the bridge radio station put on and had me and Natalie Lane, who is an incredible recording artist. Oh, they had goodness, us yes. for two days and it was an amazing conference. And when I announced on social media, Hey, I'm going to be in Delaware. Cause I travel all over to speak and uh, shameless plug. If you want to have me come to your event or your church, just reach out. But, um, I, uh, I had just put it out there and your daughter saw who doesn't even live in Maryland right. said where, and give me the information. And then I and you sent know, it to her. You too have a history. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so precious yeah. that we got to see each other because then your daughter showed up and surprised you. Yes. And, um, and so the fact, and then I found out that you lived 40 minutes away from this conference. And so this whole weekend has been just like. And I knew too, because I was getting so much resistance from the enemy and anxiety, the anxiety that I had before this week was crazy. And really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. And I didn't know why, because I'm not, I don't carry that. That's not usually my thing, right? We all have something and right. the anxiety is not my thing. And, um, but I just had unbelievable anxiety and the, the stupid things that were happening, the resistance to get here, even that fun thing that my, my my luggage flew off on the tarmac from the, oh, the thing. Yes. Like, just silly yes. things where it was like, yes. what is going on? But I just think there's so much healing and the, the conference was so amazing it and was, and just so much healing from me, even though I got to come and, and give of myself this weekend and deliver I, I, what I'm called to deliver to people who were there to receive it. Um, what I got from all of this has just been really overwhelming. And the most important is you. And something else that you and I share, thank you. Something else that you and I share is that you consider your 
husband's daughter's your daughter. Oh yeah. And yeah. I consider Jackie, as you know, yeah. I've been with her dad since she was three and a half. Yeah. Just almost four years old. She is my daughter. Sure. Yeah. Well, you don't have another one. <laughs> That's but it. The conference, one of the things yeah. that I don't know if I told you or I told her, maybe I told her last night. I want her mom to come to one of these conferences. Oh. Her mom, you know, I consider a friend. And yeah. I know she yeah. considers me a friend. Yeah. And I would, of course, most like her to hear you. Oh, yeah. But we'll go to one of these conferences oh, wow. that I met from those women. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing. And it's sweet that we get to share that because it breaks my heart that my mom never met my kids, you know, yes. and that my mom would have met my children immediately. And it would have been like her blood children, right? Like, and I always say, you know, my daughters have a mom, they, they have a mom, but they're my kid. They, they're yours. They're mine. They're yours too. They have a mom, but they're my kids. You're like the bonus mom. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And they call me C's and, and they're my children. And, but they would have been my mother's grandchildren. Like oh, absolutely. she would have been crazy over them. And, and, um, and I'm so grateful that, that I shared that weird special bond with you because it, not having your own biological children and, and yet loving someone else's is uh, a wild thing. It's a wild thing and hard and incredible. And, you know, I, not many people understand it and everybody. And yeah, you did have a biological child, Brett with yeah. your husband, but I haven't. And so not many people have that experience, you know, and, right. and, um, well, people say to me sometimes, you know, we'll be just in regular conversation and they'll say, wait a minute. I thought that you only had one child. You, you have two. And I'm like, yeah, I have yeah. a daughter too. And then then it comes, oh, well, not my body. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hate to have to use those words. Yeah. They're not my biological. I'll say that. Yeah. They're not my biological kids, but I don't really, I've never called myself a stepmom because I don't, you know, I don't know. It always has such a bad connotation. I know. I don't like that either. Yeah. I don't like that either. But you know, it's, it's complicated. It is. And that's the reality of it. But I'm grateful for what I have and, and I'm just honored to, I'm, it's special to me that you understand that. Well, and they, no one else in my family has that. And, and back to your girls, they're still young. Yeah. They're 18, 20 and so 22. So a, a lot of, you have a, a lot of, uh, obviously their own mother does, but you also have, you have a lot of time to help them with whatever they need. Mm. And so, you know, just because they're bigger. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they don't still need you even yeah. You know, and, and so all of these things that you're learning season and, all, and some of these cycles that my generation is still stuck in mm -hmm. yours doesn't, your generation doesn't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love you. I love you more. I'm so grateful. Oh, this has been oh, just amazing season. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing with me. There's more. Thank you for listening to the Joybringer podcast. I would love to connect with you. Find me on social media or on my website at seasonedhours.com. For more information on how to live like the gospel is good news, check out my book, The Joybringer Challenge. You can buy it anywhere books are sold or on my website.
Thanks again for listening. And hey, I love you.